trust, smiles, warmth, hugs, forever, laughter, blessings, love, strength. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. Wednesday, February 5th. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, as always, we got Tass Millis. Hey, hello. Hello, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. We got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen is JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are on a Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And email us your NBA questions and comments to No Dunks at TheAthletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach a little later today, so you still got a few hours to get those questions in for that show, but keep them coming all week long. We're stepping on the beach every single week. But we start here on a Wednesday with a little Southern lawyer. We got ourselves a trade. We do indeed. We got a big trade happening Tuesday night, late Tuesday night. Four-team, 12-player deal. So we can tackle this um, by each team here, I think. The Rockets, let me... But let me set the scene for you. The Rockets get Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and a 2024 second-round pick by way of the Warriors. The Hawks get Clint Capella and Nene. The Wolves get Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and a lottery-protected 2020 first-round pick. That's by way of the Nets. And the Nuggets, yes, the Nuggets are the fourth team in the mix here. They get Gerald Green, Bates Giop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and a 2020 first-round pick. By way of the Rockets. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Where do you want to start? Which team do you want to start with and what they got or what they gave up? Let's start with the Juicy Rockets. Everybody wants to hate them. What are they doing? No center? I hate them. Uh, It is weird. P.J. Tucker is technically going to be their center. Robert Covington is their tallest player. He's going to be 6'8", but they're going to be running out James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Robert Covington, P.J. Tucker, and Daniel House probably for now. Um, they're going to get killed by Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic when it comes to playing them. They'll probably get somebody here in the next 24 hours before. But on the offensive end, it's going to be interesting. Five guys out beyond the three-point line, stretch it out, and uh, I think it's going to help James Harden uh, get into the lane and score and Russell Westbrook, especially because he's not a three-point shooter, get into the lane and score. So it's going to help them offensively. And Clint Capella wasn't a big piece for them offensively it's weird to say that but they were 30th in plays finished using pick and roll um that according to synergy sports and and the great kevin o'connor on the defensive end is the scary part what are you gonna do yeah i guess that's not the concern of daryl morey right now he's (laughs) like he's like let's see if we can just score 150 points a game and if the other team can match us that's uh good for them but um you wonder of course how much of this deal was made because they wanted to move on from capella versus a directive from the ownership to say we need to shed some salary because right. which they did in this process they did right. uh, yeah. and and that certainly to me seems to be more overriding factor than than thinking that capella can't help them because they need him i think they, they maybe need so him. but i think that uh the rockets still in covington are getting the best player that was traded in this entire deal so they're shaving money off their cap which is surely good for their owner and they're getting the best guy so this is no doubt a win for the Rockets and honestly I think Jordan Bell will do alright playing with Mike D'Antoni welcome to the rejuvenation machine that guy got Earl Clark paid 
if he goes and he's willing to be a switchy defender and just roll to the rim and catch some alley-oops, there was hype about Jordan Bell becoming the next Draymond Green back when he was playing <laughs> with the Golden State Warriors. It was a big deal that the Bulls traded him for cash considerations. All of that has gone into the past, but he's a solid player who's played in big games. I think he'll be helpful at least sopping up minutes. Uh, you can't just have all... Six six guys and one six foot eight guy. So at least uh, I don't know. Jordan Bell's what six foot nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a giant small. amongst men. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think he'll be helpful. I think he'll be a good player in D'Antoni's system. This is fascinating. This like pushing all their chips in on this idea of just going small ball. I mean, it makes it exciting. You were saying it on the other podcast, as it's like, all right, this is unique. Let's see if it can work in uh, you know potentially three or four playoff series. They they've done well so far. I mean, in the regular season here, when there's been no Capella, they're they're four and zero recently in this past week where he's not out there and they're leaning into that and they've got a really good record overall even when Capella's not playing. And they're good when he's on the bench and they're actually better at kicking the other team's butt because teams are definitely caught off guard. Nobody else does it. Yeah. But but that's it's different in the postseason that's for sure. That'll change. Yeah. Covington makes sense though on this Rockets team. I I think we all agree with that. Being a career 36% three-point shooter so he's good from distance on on a really good volume this year. Eight attempts per 36 minutes from Pelton there. That's going to look like nothing by the time he's done with the Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Eight attempts in 36 minutes, that's like a half. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and, and yeah, they're not done. Look, we might have breaking news while we record this podcast for crying out loud, so somebody keep their eye on Twitter, of course, but Tim McMahon saying Houston does want, or they're on the hunt, I guess, for additional help at center. Um, you, look, they're not... There's there's no move to be made here for like Andre Drummond or something like that, but they're gonna get a big. Third count, Daryl Morey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows with him? But so, he can't shoot. I don't think I don't think they would go get an Andre Drummond. No, because no, no. They're, I'm they're, kidding they're, too. Oh, okay. They're trying to. I mean, ideally, they'd want like a Brook Lopez, you know, like the the yeah. Bucks do, and spread it out and let Giannis roam. And that's what they do. They're just gonna play iso ball. And I think it. I mentioned Russell Westbrook getting into the paint. We talked about it last year. As soon as he gets beaten by. Was it the Jazz last year in the playoffs? The, the, the th- or, I'm sorry, it was the Blazers. Blazers the Jazz yeah. the year before. Two years in a row, Russell Westbrook goes out with a whimper, a guy who is an MVP and uh, obviously an all-star, and again, an all-star this year. But we look at him and say, that's I mean, that's not a great performance for an MVP, and this will help because he's not going to shoot the three. He is going to be that boulder, that avalanche coming down that lane, and hopefully he'll be able to score with – no defender in there for a Clint Capella, a, a defender that will be you know spread to the three point line. So it's gonna it r- will help them. And I understand people hate the Rockets, um, but I don't know. As a guy who's watched basketball for a long time, I'm excited to see something entirely different. Although I think yeah, they're not done. They're they need somebody big, or else they're gonna get mopped. Yeah, they have to. And also, like, what happens if PJ Tucker gets hurt? I mean, he's, yeah, you're being asked, he's, they're asking mm-hmm. him to do a ton already as a 6'6 guy to play center against some of these behemoths in the West. I mean, is it that far-fetched that he goes down with an injury? Then then what? I mean, it's... He's already injured. I yeah, mean, really. right, right. And I guess you could say, well, Capello's injured as well. He's got right. plantar fasciitis. I get that. But, man, yeah, they got to get somebody in case of emergency, uh, another big. Well, even just game to game with foul trouble if he's defending <laughs> yeah, bigs. Yeah, that too. I mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going to have to use his muscle to try to slow some of those guys down, so... But, you know, this is, uh, this is fascinating with the, what the Rockets are trying here. And if it comes off, then Daryl Morey is going to look like a genius. Right. Because right. it's never really been done before successfully like this. So he's just decided, what the hell, let's try it. Yeah, turning Capella into Covington, really. All right, let's get to some of the other teams. Let's go with the Hawks. They're the one that, that get Clint Capella here. Um, what does everybody think about that? Their, their name has obviously come up, the Hawks have, over the past month or so with the idea of trying to get a center. Steven Adams' name. 
Andre Drummond's name, of course. Um, you know, even a guy like Dwayne Dedman coming back to the Hawks. Like they, the idea that they need a center for the future appears that they've got one in Clint Capella. Does do you like the idea? Do you think the pairing of him and Collins could make sense? What's your take? I think of all the centers that the Hawks have been linked to, Capella is the best one from a combination of skills, fit, and contract. Like, I mean, maybe you would like to have Dwayne Dedman making a little bit less money, but Clint Capella's certainly better. And um, I think fit-wise, he's happy to just be a rim runner, and that's what John Collins is definitely best at. But maybe Collins can expand his game a little bit. He certainly fit seems to be comfortable trying to stretch out a little bit, but uh, I would rather have Capella than Andre Drummond because I think Capella, you're just going to throw him lobs. You don't have to waste any time with post-ups or anything like that. Capella is more of an impact defensively. Drummond, one of the best rebounders of all time, but Capella is pretty close, all things considered. So I think this is a win for the Hawks, too. This is the rare trade where every team, I think, good job. This is how it happens. The Hawks can afford to take him on with his salary, too, because they've got so much cap space going forward that it's not really going to hinder them you know next season so if it works with capella then they get a pretty good player out of this yeah and if it doesn't then it's not going to sabotage them too much going forward in the future so and john collins yeah i think that that he's more suited to just being a stretch guy rather than sort of being in the post there he they want him he wants to get out there shooting he's more athletic so having capella behind him i think is going to help and then for trey young it's good to have a guy who knows how to finish around the rim so i like it for the hawks and and yeah they, they were clearly looking for a big man and I think they got a good one, young guy, contract they can easily afford. So it makes no sense for them to not make this sort of deal. He's good at definitely uh, as a partner for Trey Young. I worry definitely about the overlap with John Collins. John Collins, that's all he did. Come pick for me. Come pick for me. Uh, and now he's yeah he's got he's got to change up his game a little bit. But whatever you lose there, you gain with Clint Capella at least being some sort of presence at the rim defensively because John Collins ain't that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they struggled so bad. That's where they lose games. It's yeah. not on offense. But, yeah. So it's a chance they took. They gave up Brooklyn's first-round pick in this. And uh, you know that's going to be uh, 15 yeah. approximately. Yeah, 15 to 17 probably, somewhere what, in there. It's worth Clint Capella, who is cost-controlled for the next several years at around 15, 16 mil. That's a nice contract to take on. And, uh, yeah, they're benefiting from a really good contract that, that the Rockets signed them to. Yeah, and they could always move. If it doesn't work at all and they're like, oh, Capella and John Collins can't play together, well, they can move one of them. I mean, you're either, you're either going to move a very movable contract in Capella or you're going to say, wow, we don't want to give Max money like dollars to John Collins, so let's look to move him because that will be coming up here soon too. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I like it from the Hawks, and it didn't really cost them that much. They've already waived Chandler Parsons, what I was just saying this morning. Nene, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if he is not waived mm-hmm. as well. So this is what they got. They got they got a center. They're going to try it out, pair him with Collins. And I do like the the idea of going, you know, we talked about the Rockets moving away from Capella in the pick and roll, especially once Westbrook got there. But they used to do it a lot. Mm. I mean, they used to do it a ton harder than Capella. Maybe that he'll be able to get back to that with Trey Young running that nonstop. That makes sense. What about the Timberwolves? Landed a pick. That Brooklyn 2020 first rounder. Lottery protected, you said, Tass, probably uh, you know 15th, maybe 16th, 17th, somewhere in that range. But they go and get a couple nuggets in giving up Covington. What does everybody think of this from the Wolves' side of things? Are they even done? Is this all a part of a bigger plan to maybe still try and get D'Angelo Russell or something else? Well, I like Malik Beasley coming back to them. I mean, Evan Turner's not going to stay, I wouldn't think, or certainly not beyond this season. Wancho... Nah, you know he's. I don't. I don't think he's a part of their long-term plans either. Beasley and Wancho are both restricted free agents. Yes, so um, but I think with uh, the situation there for Beasley in Denver, is someone had to go 
really, the, especially with the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. And so Beasley, they, they move him out and the Nuggets get a pick in return for him. Um, but the Wolves, you figure they are looking at making some sort of a bigger move here because this is not really going to change too much for them for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, Covington was apparently a good friend of his in the locker room. One of their better shooters. Better their sh- yeah, yeah, he fitted. One of their better what- defenders. His <laughs> best friend. Carl Anthony Towns said his he, best uh, friend. He, he was the type of player that you sort of think they need to surround more of uh, with there with Towns. So um, you figure that there, there is something bigger happening. But but I like Beasley. I think he can be a good player. And I just think there wasn't enough minutes for him in Denver. Now he goes to a situation where they absolutely need players. And he could he could thrive in that, that role. So... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one down as incomplete because I think the Wolves are still uh, they've, they've they simply have to do something else. They got a first round pick and Malik Beasley basically for Robert Covington. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's a bit it's a bit lateral, I guess. You know they they need to get. I, I think I wanted them to get more for Robert Covington, but maybe Malik Beasley can go a 20 point per game guy wow crazy wow. i'm going crazy right now he won't be that <laughs> but but he's a he's a good shooter yeah I, i'm a little underwhelmed but at least they're planning for the future a little bit more a little bit you know with this the first round pick as well and, and they're saying okay this whole teague you know situation here we're sort of going for right now is not the best idea. Yeah, the Timberwolves were so unhappy with their point guard situation, they just traded all of them. Skeets, you might want to move to Minnesota. I think you could get some time there yeah, sure. in the backcourt. Because literally, who's going to pass the ball? Jarrett Culver, I suppose, is going to function as their point guard. Wiggins is a little bit of their point guard. Yeah. But, I mean, ain't nobody setting the table for Carl Anthony Towns. Nobody playing defense. But that just means their pick is getting better and better. So I think that's the biggest win for this trade for the Timberwolves <laughs> is that they're going to be even worse, so they'll get a better player, and they got a pick. I mean, I know they wanted two first for Robert Covington, and he's the hottest name on the trade market, but Robert Covington isn't probably worth two first-round picks, so they got one and a guy they can extend if they want to. Yeah, and they didn't give up their pick, which is the most important right. part, exactly. In, in that, They talk about D'Angelo Russell. If they're going to get him, they're going to have to give up their pick. And uh, they got to hold on to that. So that, that's a win in, in that regard. And then the surprise team in this deal, I think that's fair to say, was the Nuggets because we were seeing some sort of form of these, uh, these moves, the Capella to the Hawks, the Covington going to the Rockets. You know, we've been talking about this for a little bit, but the Nuggets sort of were not ever really involved in the mix, and then last night they are here. Um, were you shocked by that? You said, to, uh, Lee, that you thought, well, this makes sense moving on from those guys, Beasley and Wancho, because – they just don't have really minutes. Like they, mm. they, they were getting minutes only because of injury. But you know, once all the guys are healthy and stuff like that, they're back sort of to, to the end of the bench. Was, were, were you shocked? This makes sense. What do you think? Well, I think the Nuggets see themselves right now in in a position to contend, but they also thought, well, you know what? We can also grab a first round pick out of this deal, and we're going to have to lose one of these guys eventually at some point. So sure, we can facilitate. We can ha- we can jump in here. Whether it was going to be Monte Morris or it was going to be Malik Beasley, you, you figured that one of those guys wasn't going to be there long term. So I think the Nuggets were just in the right place at the right time. They don't really lose any of their status as contenders, in my opinion, right now. Um, Beasley, I think he's a good player. I think he can be a, a good player. And given an opportunity for more minutes and a bigger role, I'm interested to see how good he can be. Uh, but yeah, the Nuggets. But with Michael Porter Jr., like you said, th- yeah. that's their first wing guy. And then Torrey Craig is their best defender. Yeah. So it's like sort of Beasley's left in the shuffle. And they've still got Gary Harris out there as well, who's, you know. He, for now. For now, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Gary Harris, they paid a lot of money to. He hasn't quite lived up to it. But again, I think you want to hang on to him right now. And so, yeah, if, you, if someone just says, hey, we'll give you a first round pick for one of these guys you're going to get rid of anyway. So you're sort of having a bit of an eye to the future. Why not do that if you're the Nuggets? 
That's exactly right. They have a little bit more draft equity. That's a term I'm loving hearing a lot about <laughs> during this trade deadline. All about that draft equity. They've got it now for guys who weren't in their rotation. I don't know if there's a bigger set of four people in North America Wancho fans than us for, yeah, but yeah. where's Wancho? Now he's in Minnesota, which is good because he wasn't really getting any sort of run for Denver because Michael Porter made him expendable. Tory Craig has made uh, Malik Beasley expendable. Shabazz Napier will be exp- expendable because Monte Morris is there, so maybe you're able to put t- uh, Gary Harris in a deal with Napier and this pick you just got and move it for somebody who's a little bit more. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, a little bit higher quality player, and then you're just able to take this giant collection of good players you have, and you're kind of funneling it into even better players. Yeah, they didn't take a, a step closer to the title. That's the, I guess, the unfortunate part if you're looking at this from a, a Nuggets fan's perspective right now. They didn't get better in their rotation all that much. Uh, that's that's the thing that we expected them to do, you know, with uh, 30 hours here before the trade deadline. So that could be in play, but they get a pick. Draft equity, sure. Uh, all these other guys that came to the roster and Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonleh, Gerald Green, Kata Bates, Diop. Maybe he's a player for them in the future, but I'd say that's the only guy that really may get minutes on this team. Yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah, it's like Vonleh and Napier are like third string guys at their positions, right? At the center and point guard positions. So in case of an emergency to a Plumley or a or a Morris at the point guard position, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. They're just. They're decent quality NBA players, but they're not. They don't. They're not even backup guys. They're third. They're third yep. string guys, which you sometimes need when yeah. emergencies happen. Oh yeah, when when you do have injuries like that. But it's also credit to the way the Nuggets have built this roster. They're they're deep. They're very deep. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I I think that they've gotten themselves into good position here. Yeah, I mean, I saw Ziller write today about the Nuggets being the surprise team in this. He wrote, "You don't trade rotation players for picks when you're playing for championships." Mm-hmm. But I think the argument to that is. Well, these guys actually weren't rotation players. Again, they were sort of forced into that role because of injuries, but they're not really, um, you know, long term by any means rotation players for this Nuggets team with the talent above them, sort of in the pecking order. That's where I sort of disagree with that, which is why I think they made this move. And mm-hmm. you get that pick, mm-hmm. and you get still some depth. You still got guys there, and they may not be done. They do really feel like a team that could. Ha- they have the guys. They have guys under the contracts that you can move for someone of a bit of a sexier, bigger name. If uh, if they want to make that move, but yeah, they get Houston's pick in this, which is going to be in the twenties, yeah. which is another. Basically, they're going to draft another guy who is going to be eight, nine, ten, eleven, mm-hmm. twelve in their rotation, which they have a billion of, uh, because they have drafted really well. So it's time to cash in on those and probably get a better player. But they're excited for Michael Porter Jr. to potentially be that perimeter star in twenty twenty one, twenty one, twenty two, twenty two, twenty three. Um, but should they wait or should they, you know, cash in some of these end of the bench type guys and hope that they can get another star to try and try and, you know, overtake LeBron and friends now? Overall, not a bad trade from all four teams. I mean, you can understand what they're thinking. I don't love it for the Wolves because it's like on one hand you're like, why are we even moving Covington to begin with? But if they've if they're hell bent on doing that and they've got bigger things in mind trying to get D'Angelo Russell and need a pick to do that, then yeah, okay, that's the reasoning. But yeah, from all the other teams, it's not bad. It's one of those yeah. like pretty decent. Like you're sort of scoring it like nice doing know, business with like, you today, yeah, sir. Like a, like a B for every team. It almost feels like. Um, so let's hear from you guys. That's at least my opinion on it. Always fun to get a trade. Always nice to hear the Southern lawyer. Hopefully we hear him many more times throughout this podcast or at least in the next 24 hours or so. Had some other big news on Tuesday, guys. The Knicks fired team president Steve Mills and the rumors have started up once again that the Knicks have set their sights on the Raptors 
Masai Ujiri. General Manager Scott Perry, by the way, will oversee the basketball operations in the interim. So the Knicks, two days before the trade deadline, fire the head guy in charge. Not that he has had any success over the past couple of decades with that franchise. He's not even really losing. A, well, he's he's losing his title with yeah. the Knicks, but he might be just moved somewhere else within the <laughs> Dolan organization. I don't know, something like that's crazy. No one's ever really fired. You're just, just reassigned, I guess. <laughs> I, guess I guess I'll start with this. Tass is a Raptors fan with now an opening, an, an actual legit opening for team president of the Knicks. Are you worried with, again, this sort of swell of rumors that, uh uh-oh, the Knicks are going for Masai Ujiri, and there is an opening now, and this could be in play. What's your take on all that? I got a little bit more worried when I saw the the report from Mark Stein Mm -hmm. um, that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver was pushing Masai Ujiri to the Knicks. Now, the league office totally declining that. (laughs) Really? Uh, and, And we've heard about these types of rumors in the past, like, Hey, Brian Colangelo, go save the process Philadelphia 76ers, apparently, is right. what the the commissioner's office did. So that made me worry a little bit more, but I still don't think it's really Masai Ujiri's M.O. to go to a, a team that's uh, flailing in a major way and to go to a front runner, to go to a huge, huge organization and try and help them out. I think he's totally fine going, you know, playing with uh, – with the Raptors chips and continuing there, I think he's more focused on growing the Africa League that's starting right now. I, I just don't see him as a, a front runner. I just don't see him like that. I just don't see him. Why would he do that? How is it front running to join the Knicks? They haven't had a winning season in 45,000 yeah. years, I don't Well, think. because it's the Knicks, and everybody talks about them, and it's the biggest market in North America. I mean, that sounds like a great reason to take the job, if you're asking me. Biggest market in North America? Bringing them back to glory after you've already done everything you can with the Toronto Raptors? I'm with you. After I saw the Mark Stein report, I'm a little more nervous for my Raptor friends. Uh, I don't know. How often can you just keep going back to the well? Does he want to be R.C. Buford? Does he want to really build the Spurs in Toronto and have a competitive championship-quality team? Every single year, that would be awesome if he does. Or maybe he just wants to be a guy who is the hero in every single city he goes to and keeps growing and getting bigger and better everywhere he goes. Yeah, does he want to be a Pat, championship? Pat Riley? Type yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he, he also is focusing on uh, the NBA Africa League, where he talks about he's he's been in interviews, basically uh, inquired. He's he's been asked about like, hey, um, how can we build a huge, huge league in in Africa? And why why can't we why can't we get a soccer team like Arsenal in Africa? And he goes, you know what? We're gonna build our own Arsenal. Like he wants to build things from the ground up. I just don't see him going to the Knicks and, and trying something like that. But hey, it's it's the probably the the uh, the third month that we haven't talked about it, so we got to <laughs> talk about it again. It's a it's a rumor that just keeps coming back. I thought there's no way in the world he'd want to go to that chaotic chaotic situation because no one comes out of there looking good. No one comes out with their reputation improved after working for the Knicks. But Michael Grange from Sportsnet, our Canadian friend there, he's got an article up basically saying, you know, that the that the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, which owns the Raptors, uh, declined to offer an extension to Masai Ujiri, who, even if he was offered it, apparently, according to this article, was going to decline it anyway when his contract is up in 2021 because he may want to test free agency. Yeah. So there's certainly now some more uh, legitimate people reporting that perhaps Masai is actually willing to consider this offer um so that to me now gives it a little bit more traction that there are actually some some real people talking that that he might be intrigued by it because it is 
the ultimate sort of Everest, really, isn't it? I mean, if you that's right. if you are able to turn the Knicks from the the absolute joke that they've been now for so long into a successful team, and not necessarily winning the championship, but just a credible team again with a good reputation, then that's I mean, Masai Jiri is going to be like just the greatest president whatever role he encompasses there in new york uh, that the league's ever seen because it's a disaster right now and you've seen people like respected people like phil jackson walk in there and then absolutely just humiliated as he left because he couldn't do anything yep. you know and uh, and mark stein sort of says that in his article as well we talk more about phil jackson as the disaster in new york than the 11 time nba coach uh, championship winning coach yeah so I can see from a uh, from a challenge perspective, Masai having won. I mean, having won the championship with the Raptors is an enormous uh, successful successful goal of his or successful achievement of his. If he can now go to the situation where no one has been able to succeed and succeed, then uh, that would be incredible. But if the Raptors lose as well, Bobby Webster as well, because there's also reports that if Masai goes, he's gonna he's gonna bring his guys with him. <laughs> That's what Stein reporting that. Yeah. Yes, I, I have. I have been. Uh, my sources say there is absolutely no way that happens. That he would turn down Bobby Webster if Masai were to leave. That he would turn down the raise slash the promotion that he would be in line for. Mm. Um, that's 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 what Skeet sources are telling me. <laughs> Skeet bomb. Because uh, I was I, that was the first time I had seen something like that too. That report, the yeah. idea of like Masai just taking everybody, and that is the other part. Like a guy like Masai, who everybody loves. I mean. There's the concern as a Raptors fan, obviously, him going to another organization. You're going, oh, oh, well, who's in charge now? The second part of that is, well, guys like that that are, that are so trusted and have so much respect, well, everybody that they have in place sometimes follow them mm-hmm. to the next place because they're like, I want to work for that guy. That's what really concerns me, um, again, as a Raptors fan, if we're Masai to leave. Not just Masai. It's everything else he's got in store there. But, yeah. you know, hopefully the organization of the Raptors that they've built and he's built up has such a strong backbone that it will still, you know, still be fine. Uh, man. The final sentence know. in this article from Grange. Short answer, Ujiri is gone. Yeah, I mean, and so. then, look, the other part is that Masai could nip this in the butt if he wanted to. Yeah. Right? He, he, and now maybe he doesn't want to for leverage reasons, contract reasons. Like, why would he, I guess? But he could say, he could very easily come out and say, I am not going anywhere. In fact, I'm in negotiations to sign my next contract. The Raptors have been over backwards. They're going to give me anything I want, and, and rightfully so. But he hasn't done that. Mm. So why hasn't he done that? Is it, again, just a, is it a money play, power play? Or is he, does he have his uh, eyes set on somewhere else? Only time will tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just definitely feels more tenuous uh, now than it did 24 hours ago, for mm. sure. And at any time, I would say, that uh, New York has been pursuing Masai. I think this seems more realistic than it ever has. Yeah. And, and again, mainly because of the first thing I said. There is an opening. That That is your job right there. Now, does Dolan, because a classic Dolan... Um, does he like he can't sit on his hands for for more than two minutes here? He's got to play the blues, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but he gave. Does he does he go? Oh, well, we're not waiting for Messiah. Uh, no, okay. Well, I'm, we're not waiting for him to decide and for him to drag us around here. So we're gonna go this uh, you know agent route because there's rumors of that, and you know obviously they like, were on to the next plan pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe that happens with a guy like Dolan. Yeah, you couldn't, just, be, couldn't be shocked if that does. He's linked to all the ones who have been successful. We just want one of those ones. You know, yeah. we want Bob. We want a Bob Myers. You know, we we want a Rob Palinka. Just find us one of those. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know, there's talk about um, he would he would give up total autonomy. Autonomy, is that right? No, close. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to Masai Jiri to to, to try to entice him, but I'm pretty sure he gave that to Phil. 
I'm sure that Phil was like, I get to do everything yeah. I want and no one reports into me. Because I remember even seeing Dolan on a radio station saying once, you know, Phil makes all the decisions. I don't I don't get involved. There's conflict. Was it the Madison Square Garden radio station <laughs> that you were running as an employee of the team? Yeah. There's conflicting reports about how involved a guy like Dolan is in the day-to-day basketball operations. Some people say, no, he's actually pretty hands-off, and he hires these guys and lets them make all the decisions and stays out of the way. And then, of course, the flip side is, no, at a certain point when the fans start chanting, sell the team, he, because he you know, is, is crazy, freaks out and does whatever he wants to do because he's the man in charge and, and fires the you know, team president or does whatever he can in his power because he's like, oh, this is a bad look for me. Oh, no. So I don't know what it is. Uh, it, maybe it's both from day to day. It probably changes with this guy. But uh, well, he's right, we'll though. See. By all reports, it was Phil Jackson had autonomy. and maybe that just comes because that's a guy that Jim Dolan really respects and clearly that is the case with Masai Ujiri he has wanted Masai Ujiri to be his GM since he talked himself out of the Kyle Lowry trade and that's where I think it really starts because Dolan's like if you would have let me trade for Kyle Lowry we would have won the championship duh so I gotta get Masai Ujiri he knew just like I knew Uh, but yeah I think that if if Masai were were to join the Knicks he would probably have full autonomy, at least until oh, yeah. they lost three games in a row. Yeah, yeah the, the other thing is people saying that the Knicks would have to give the Raptors compensation, which, again, would make no sense if Masai was to take over that team and lose a couple of first-round picks to the Raptors. Then you're starting from behind well, already. they've got some Mavericks picks in the mix there, too. Yeah. yeah. There are picks that they could. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on the timing, right? It's yeah. A, it's whether, yeah, that idea that you can trade for an executive. And you got, they got to be careful with all the tampering, of course, and stuff here, too. <laughs> well, Maybe we've already crossed that bridge. I don't know. What is tampering, yeah, really? Right, 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 right. Uh, so we will see who, uh, right now, Scott Perry. Yes, that Scott Perry is still there. Scott, <laughs> Scott and Steve. Scott survives. We got Scott. You can leave, Steve. <laughs> all right. We got our all-star Saturday night participants. They were announced on Tuesday night. Let's start with the dunk contest. We basically knew who it was, but it's only four dunkers. I'm very sad. It's Pat Connaughton, Aaron Gordon, Dwight Howard, and Derek Jones Jr. Now, we don't we don't got to start making our picks here by any means. We might even save that for our live show in Chicago mm. the night of all the uh, All-Star Saturday night festivities right before they happen. Um, but, yeah, only getting the four. I kept saying for weeks that we might get a, a bigger field, but maybe they just couldn't get these guys to commit. I mean, <laughs> the Zion Williamson injury probably came into play and John Morant declining it. So maybe there was an offer to, I don't know, five or six guys, and they just only got four OKs. But what do you think? I wish I wouldn't have known who else was invited because when you see Connaughton, Gordon, Howard, Jones – that's four good dunkers. You know, who knows what to expect from Dwight Howard after 10 years off. Derek Jones Jr. should be better this time around. Aaron Gordon is a legend in the game. Unfortunately, he'll kind of always be compared to 2016 and Pat Connaughton. You saw him last night skying for the one-hander. 44-inch vert, second highest at the combine. Uh, so maybe he'll be a surprise as well. But when you go into it hearing, oh, man, Zach Levine's been invited. John Morant's been invited. And then you see Connaughton, Gordon, Howard Jones. It's a little bit of a letdown compared to those guys. But it's a good four, mm. all things considered. Yeah, yeah. And, ma- and maybe Zach Levine still shocks us all and yeah. says, hey, I'm dunking. <laughs> He's keeping I'm it under the dunking, pocket. baby. Yeah. I just won the three-point contest. I'm dunking next. I'm excited for Dwight. I really am. I, I just want to see what he's got left in his tank. Because he, he's an entertaining dunk contest guy. Yeah. So I I'm, have the lowest expectations imaginable for Dwight Howard. That's great, I really do. And that's probably the best way yeah. to, to approach it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just don't see. I, because he's done... He's done the cool big man dunk. So maybe he's got more. But, like, he's done the 12-foot 
you know, dunk, 12-foot rim dunk. He's done the sticker dunk. He's done the crazy one where he jumped up and tapped it off the glass, and we didn't even sort of appreciate it for how cool that dunk was at the time. I mean, like, what's left in his big man dunk bag, I well, guess? Well, that's the thing. He pulled out some dunks we'd never seen before, so I'm yeah, guessing yeah. he's got a few more tricks up his sleeve that he wants to show. He doesn't because, have uh, those hops like he quite did. Uh, they're not too bad, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I want, him, I want him to get on the 12-footer again and see if he can just throw that down. Because... Uh, just to see. Just 10 do years all later. his old, old ducks. Not? I mean, I guess it would be impressive. They're like, this guy is old now. Yeah, 10 years later, all those injuries <laughs> he's had and he can still dunk. Yeah. Good on him. Um. Yeah, the stickers are going to say 33 or however <laughs> old he is. Um, yeah, they say the last thing to go for a player is his hops. So, uh, yeah, he's going to bring it. Right. They don't say that. Because, uh, uh, yeah, like Troy said, 10 years ago. My God. Uh, but it, it, they're going to be showman dunks is, is what they're going to be. They're going to have some sort of flair, some sort of plan, uh, you know, with his teammates or out there or something like that. It's going to be more about the performance than it is going to be about the dunk. Chances are high Dwight Howard's going to embarrass himself here. Come on. They're, they're very, very high. In terms of the theatrical prop type thing, does Superman make a return? He's got to bring back like, Superman yeah, a little like, bit. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it's got to be happening. I, I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Um, the one thing about Pat Connaughton, I just want to throw this in there because you were joking. Well, you actually weren't joking because you hear it all the time. 44-inch vertical. I heard Nate Duncan talking to Danny LaRue last night. Apparently that's incorrect because what happened at the Combine was they screwed up Pat Connington's standing reach. Like they measured it incorrectly, which is what they do. They measure your standing reach and then, of course, the, the jumping to then see how high you get and do the math and there's your vertical. I guess they screwed it up. He's got a 40-inch vertical. Weak. Still pretty amazing. But, uh, yeah, it's like just uh, passed around <laughs> that he's got the 44-inch vertical, but I guess he doesn't because they just messed it up. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Who knows what to expect from him either. He's going to do the classic white man dunk. Yeah. I, I did it in our dunk contest. Going to throw it around his back, sort of do a cool reverse. It'll look fine. That's a tough dunk. Rex Chapman has done it. Yep. Brent Barry's done it. There's been others. Yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. But, uh, really, it's, to me... Can Aaron Gordon replicate what he did against Zach Levine in his contest, or at least the first one in 16? And then can Derek Jones Jr., being a little more experienced in this, uh, bring it so we get an awesome head-to-head between those two guys? You just need to. Just need to. We always See, tell you. See uh, Aaron Gordon on TNT last night? Oh, yeah. He looked relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> he was on Waiters Island, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been jet-lagged. <laughs> oh, that is a... If you haven't seen the clip yet, um, yeah, go look that up. Aaron Gordon uh, appearing on TNT last night with Shaq saying, how high can you get? Can you get that high? That's very, very high. And uh, Yeah, they really leaned into it. That was very funny. All right, Taco Bell skills challenge. We got the Smalls and the Bigs again. The Smalls are Patrick Beverly, who has won this contest before. Jason Tatum, who I guess is now a Small. I think he won it last year as a Big. Spencer Dinwiddie. And Derek Rose in Chicago. Going to get quite the uh, pop there from the crowd, I imagine. The Bigs are Sabonis, Adebayo, Chris Middleton, and Pascal Siakam. Skills challenge still happening. And it's there. It's fine. It's over uh, fairly quick. And sometimes there's an exciting moment or two. But I guess we're, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I assume we're just going with the smalls on one side of the bracket, bigs on the other, or is that the plan again? I guess so. I don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, (laughs) and it it appears to me that Mike Conley faced Jason Tatum in the first round last year. Right. So I guess that makes them smalls. Oh, you're so saying... So Tatum is still a small, oh, because okay. Doncic went against Kuzma. I think those are the other bigs compared to Jokic and Vucevic. Uh, um, so I guess Tatum... 
I thought he was a big too. Yeah. But uh, congratulations to him on being reclassified as a small okay. or continuing to be a small. But look at all of these former winners we've got. All of the smalls have skills, titles, challenges in their belt. Um, so, you know, this is very exciting for us skills challenge heads out there to see this kind of championship equity in the contest, the biggest one that we've ever seen. It's interesting, uh, Jason Tatum is listed at 6'8", and he's yeah. a small, and Chris Middleton is 6'7", and he's a big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't need to overthink it. I'd like to see Westbrook involved in this somehow, like just staring at uh, Beverly while he's doing the course or something like that, give us a little more tension. Maybe it's in play. But the crowd is going to go... Crowd's gonna go crazy for Derrick Rose. That is gonna be the funny part. I mean, I hope he can hit the pass. <laughs> I hope he doesn't uh, botch the pass a couple times. The crowd will really, uh, but uh, yeah, they're gonna be going nuts. All right. Well, let's get to this. You know, I'm gonna get pumped about this. We got the uh, three-point contest. That's the final one. I, I saved it for last for a reason. Our contestants, participants, looks nice. Davis Bertans, Devonte Graham, Joe Harris, the defending champ, Buddy Heald. Zach Levine going in the three-point contest, not the dunk contest. Damian Lillard got some star power. Trey Young as well. And then Duncan Robinson. Solid eight guys. Very nice. Here's the problem. The NBA is changing the format to this year's three-point contest. They're adding a pair of deep shots that will be worth three points apiece. The AP's Tim Reynolds was the first to report this travesty. And then they talked about it on TNT last night. So the change means each round will now be a total of 27 shots instead of 25. The competitors will now get 70 seconds to finish all of their shots instead of the 60. The two additional shots, well, they're, they're deep bombs, man. They're six feet beyond the three-point line. They're between the racks located on the wings. They're in the Mountain Dew zone. The ball will be green. And again, if you hit those, those are three points. <laughs> Why the f*** are we doing this? <laughs> Why? This is the definition of if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And here they are doing this. I don't get this. I mean, I went off on Twitter last night mm. if you want to go read my tweets. And see. And, and I've cooled down a little bit. But this is... Not much this, by the sounds of it. <laughs> well, this is insane to me. Yeah. I really don't get it. I agree. I don't think it's needed. Um, it's I think not. with any of these uh, competitions you're having, the worst thing you can do is extend them. I think people want these over as quickly as possible. So to add 10 seconds, to add gimmicky... <laughs> gimmicky shots i think just makes it no i i mean i think it makes it uh it, it just drags it out even longer and you don't need to but again the format <laughs> the 10 seconds i'm just saying i'm just saying your you're, issue? no you're just extending it no I mean, this is where you're actually wrong this is where you're actually wrong this is why the three-point contest was perfect okay there was nothing wrong with it mm -hmm. in fact uh, tell me if i'm wrong you guys have been going to a lot of all-star weekends you've obviously watched a ton of them has there ever been an all-star saturday night where people left that building and went huh damn you know it really sucked three-point contest was brutal man it really brought the night down no it never happened if anything people would go well you know what was actually one of the better events from all-star saturday night it was a three-point contest that was better than a dunk contest it was a little more exciting whatever it was always it always delivered because it's all it's just the best shooters in the world with the 60 seconds which was honestly it was like us shooting for 50 wedgies it was just the perfect amount of time you know you sort of had to rush but you still obviously could get it off. There was nothing wrong with it. It always delivered. It delivered. I wouldn't say you walk out of the building and say, gosh, I've got, the three-point contest is just chilling me through my bones right I now. I didn't like say that. Uh, I didn't, definitely didn't say that. Exactly. Yeah, you said you're excited about it, leaving the building. Oh, I, you, like, there, have been night, there have been definitely nights where we've been like, the best part was, all, was the three-point contest because the dunk contest sucked. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. More so, more so because, it, because it's like, it's even keeled. It just it never gets too high, never gets too low. It's never amazing. It's never bad. It's never bad. It's like the No Dunks podcast. 
Daily oh, that's podcast. Bad. That's bad. No, that's not, we it's are. Very bad. We are. It's never classic. Ama- never amazing. It's yeah. <laughs> never Exa- spectacular. Exactly. exactly. Never hits it out of the park. <laughs> exactly. It's always there for you. Listen, it's always perfect. Listen, I didn't it's, like. There's nothing wrong with average. <laughs> is my point. <laughs> it's, it's good. Listen, it is good. It is good to at least have something that will never disappoint, because sometimes the dunk contest does. That's fair. Uh, I I think I would rather them take away the rack with five money balls on it. Right. I think they added that a couple of years ago. Yeah. Don't see why they added that. That just changed the point value. Just yes. makes makes fair. numbers big. I'd rather them change that than take away two shots. These are listen. There's two shots that they're adding. Where guys are shooting from now. From from these spots, so, so like who cares? I don't I don't care. Uh, here, here's I mean, what, here's it, it's like everybody is doing it. That's exactly what my mother in law went to the Hawks game the other day. Somebody shot from the logo. Trey Young did. He shot from the Hawks logo. She texted me and said, "Trey Young is shooting from Alpharetta, which is a, an Atlanta suburb. <laughs> it's a real Matt Devlin Chuck Swirsky line. Hilarious. <laughs> it, it, like every broadcaster says, he's shooting from the suburbs." So that's what casual fans are seeing. Why can't you shoot one ball, Skeets? It's one ball. It's ten seconds. Well, it's two balls, actually. Yeah, one ball from each. Yeah, from yeah. <laughs> well, so why not just put a rack there if you really want to? Do this? I, here's, too many. Again, there was no, task. There was nothing wrong with the contest. There wasn't. No. So we didn't even need to try this. And Lee, to go back to that point where mm. you're like you're worried about the extra ten seconds, this contest was so good that back in the day we used to split screen these guys and they would shoot at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And okay, it was fine. You know, you're trying to keep track of both sides of the screen. But they were like, you know what? This contest is so... There's nothing wrong with it. People enjoy, like, to see a guy try and catch on fire from three-point land that they got rid of that. They actually made this event longer in terms of a television sort of production. So that's the flip side of it. It's like, this is great. Let's just see each guy go, and it, that has worked out as well. Now, Tass is right. You know, why did they have to add that? The money, the all-money ball rack, I'm with you. I hated it at the time because I love the history of, like, we can always compare... You know, back to like 86 when this thing came into play, we can always compare. So that sort of screwed up the scoring. But at least it was still 25 shots. And task these balls, these little Mountain Dew zones, the thing I hate about it, here's the biggest reason why I hate about it. These guys, the best thing about a, uh, a three-point contest, excuse me, is when a guy catches on fire. Okay, he's hit, he's hit four, five, six in a row. There's a rhythm to it. The crowd starts building. You've been in the arena. You know that's true. And now... Unless I'm mistaken and these guys are going to shoot these stupid Mountain Dew green balls at the end of their five racks, yeah. like unless they're going to do their five racks and then run up to the top to take these three-point shots, these deep three-point shots, well, now you're going to like you're going to mess sort of with the rhythm of it all because now you got to end that second rack and go back to this weird green ball and shoot that from deep, and it's just going to be a different shot. Okay. Yeah, maybe a guy hits it and continues, and you're right. I'm, I'm oh, proven wrong. But it's even better. I mean, more but excited. I don't think so. I don't think. I'm, I'm telling you right <laughs> he's now. He's got the rhythm and he's got the distance. I don't think it's going to happen. I Ooh. don't. I don't. So I, I just really, I'm just so confused why you had to mess with, with something that worked. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's, that's the that's biggest problem. With why? It to me. Because of money. It, it's yeah. to sell a poison fizzy drink. That's it. <laughs> no, this is no. That's not. This a, is a sales initiative. They're not the do? doing this. I'm bleeping all of mentions of that. <laughs> Good. I knew Lee would be on my side. Oh, but the, uh, com- the, commercial honestly, where, the commercial where the guy is calling the beads running down the, the bottle, it's a good commercial. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> but so that's all it is. I think it's just marketing. It's just yeah. the sales team was like, hey, we just sold. We're making an extra $5 million bucks on the three-point co- competition. We have to wedge this in somehow. It has nothing to do with making it better or making it more exciting. I agree with you, Skeets. It's nothing wrong with this three-point competition. They're just – it's just a cash grab. Yeah, wow. and ide- ideally the winner would get some 
a cut of that because every winner obviously you know makes whatever figure it is they win a is it a six digit figure is it a, is it a 50k they're all they're all very pumped to win the contest they're all very <laughs> pumped to win that extra money and mountain dew is definitely uh sorry jd i, no, I mentioned I'm it again that. it's fine it's fine they're obviously um paying to get those two spots on the floor i don't know if it's a, one's a green spot one's a red spot sorry jd they have two different <laughs> products or they have multiple <laughs> products um but uh yeah the winner should also get a cut of that as well listen they'll get rid of it next year skeets right yeah Again, I hope so. yeah it, this will be the dunk wheel version of the three-point yeah. contest i hope it will I, i'm i'm convinced this will not make the contest any better yeah and people on twitter are disagreeing with me they're like they love the idea of obviously the deep shots that these guys take like you said tass in games that lillard and trey they can pull up from there um i just don't think within the context of the way it's already set up i just think it's gonna screw with the rhythm of these guys which to me is the most exciting part when a guy like Lee Ellis can even hit a couple in a row, <laughs> and uh, that's the fun part. And I just now now you're got to go back to this longer range, and there will likely be a miss because it's a much more difficult shot. And then it sort of spoils the moment for me. Yeah, could have just moved one of the racks back there if they wanted I to mean, do it. Geez, that's yeah. what you want. I guess if you really got to fucking rock and jock this, <laughs> shit, there's no reason to do it. <laughs> like this is the thing with the All Star Game. Go nuts. Get crazy. Whatever you want to try, because no one likes it. It already stinks, so get creative. No one was saying that about the three-point contest. We weren't saying it was garbage or it was boring or it wasn't delivery. No one was saying that. That's that's the, my issue with this, but here we are. Are people going to leave the building and say, God, that stupid spot back there behind the arc, that killed it? Like, if, if it didn't have a big Mountain Dew logo and it was just an extra shot or or an extra rack because guys shoot from there now, will that kill it? Like, if it was less of a gimmick, if it was less about money, and it was more just about where guys shoot. I guess we'll I don't see. Th- I don't think people would be, like, uh, upset. I don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to leave the building and say, God, <laughs> cr- find a Mountain Dew bottle and crush it and throw it in the garbage? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. Why <laughs> don't recycle. They, they, First they, of all, recycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah, you should put more time on the clock and chug the Mountain Dew before you take the shot. <laughs> okay. And then if you chug it fast enough, you get an extra two points. Um, but then, yeah, if you don't recycle, you lose a point. Like... <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> what? There's no. Oh uh, man, you just leave it. All upset now, just you know? leave it, man. This oh is. This does God. feel like a change, just for the sake of making a change. I actually hope that Mountain Dew f-ed all this up. I hope it's on them, and not someone else <laughs> in the NBA office going, "Wow, uh, you know, we got to make the three-point contest better." No, you don't. I hope it, this is a, just a, a cash grab. All the money Maury lost us in China. They're like, <laughs> we got to get it back in Mountain Dew dollars. <laughs> I mean, I like. I actually respect that more. Sell out at least. I hope that is the reason. But yeah, they should have got a better sponsor. I think that's it. Mountain Dew. It's all about being extreme. The three-point contest. It's not extreme. Dunks are extreme. Half-court shots are extreme. We could have had a full-on half-court shot contest with a green ball. This solves everything. We're not messing with the three-point contest. People love half-quarters. That's what's missing with shooting stars being gone. Just back it up. Chug a Dew. Knock down a 45-footer, and whoever makes the most of them wins a lifetime supply of code red <laughs> yeah and it, it is a little disappointing that they're going to go back to that spot it is going to be a green ball so it's going to be different and it's going to be a pedestal yeah as well. it's not a rack <laughs> now reading their uh, their yeah, press man. release uh, it's, uh, it makes it a little yeah it's also it's <laughs> not going to be that ridiculous of shot i think people are maybe in their heads thinking it's like around half court it isn't mm. It's not, it's like 
not even like a logo type of shot that we call it, you know, logo yeah. Lillard or stuff it's like that. It's like where the big three shoot there. Oh, uh, yeah, right, right. Their four-point shot or whatever they have. We'll see. I hope I'm proven wrong. I don't think it's going to help the three-point contest. And, again, I just don't get why you had to mess with it at all, unless it was just a straight-up Mountain Dew cash grab. <laughs> and if that's the case, Mountain Dew, talk to us. <laughs> Man, I'll hit you with the I'll hit you with the three point hot take coming up in five minutes. <laughs> it's gonna blow your mind, guys. All right, we're gonna be stuck. St- They're popping off like a fresh bottle of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh my God, you wouldn't wear the do the do uh, belt buckle, JD. Yeah, pay me. Uh, we don't want that dirty money, JD. I I do. <laughs> I do D E W. He's gonna you're gonna bleep it out from the podcast. I'm not bleeping. Cut it anything. out from the podcast. No. Well, you're gonna have to bleep me a hundred times. Yeah, that's Sorry, fine. Jamie. That's fine. All right, so we're gonna be stepping on the beach a little later today, as I said. Uh, but let's get in the mood, guys. I got a few questions for you already here. Hey guys, do you have any predictions on who wins All Star Game MVP this year? Based on the format, I would put Trey Young as the runaway winner. P.S. I'm once again disappointed in what you omitted. In the last pun gun, Norman Bowell, baby. Yes. Yeah, that's good. We were talking, uh, well, what was it called? NBA diarrhea, would we call uh, it? Tummy, <laughs> tummy troubles. Yes, yeah. thank you. Tummy troubles. All right, Norman Bowell. That's good. That's a really good one. That's good. Yeah, it's oh, easy yeah, to do it when here. you have forever to think about it. Yeah. yeah that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw all this uh, chatter going around uh, on Twitter about the pun gun, and I was unsure of the category. I saw that Trey and Skeets were trapped in the... Uh, the loop of diarrhea, but yes. I was I was un- uncertain where it came from. Like, yeah. where did it start? Yeah, but yep. it was it was it was all those Super Bowl snacks. All the Super Bowl yeah. snacks, right? Getting pumped for that. So that was from Frank in North York, Toronto. Uh, great pun gun suggestion, but again, a lot easier when you've got some time to think mm. about it. We're right on the spot, uh, but I love it. Norman Bell, that's good. I was partaking, by the way. I, I grabbed a virus from the hospital I was in. Definitely partaking in the. Uh, <laughs> the challenge in the, in the tummy troubles <laughs> yeah. um, alright well what do you think about all star game MVP he's got Trey Young as the runaway winner that caught me by surprise a little bit I don't definitely think of Trey Young as a runaway winner as an all star game MVP favorite no, but I don't think it's far-fetched to see Trey Young winning an All-Star MVP if he's able to hit a few logo bombs from that do zone <laughs> get the yeah. crowd pumped up I think he's definitely in the mix if you're starting the game you're in the mix for me the guy is going to be anthony davis only because he won all-star mvp when it was in new orleans i'm thinking maybe he'll want to do the same sort of thing playing in his hometown of chicago hmm. they come out and try and get him 50 points and 20 boards or whatever he had the first time around yeah 52 and 10 I think. yeah so give me an anthony davis i'd pick russell westbrook every year he's in it because he just doesn't know how to not play intently intensely you're, you're struggling. To I know, I know. I can't, I can't get my words out. <laughs> I pisspronounce the <laughs> What? Whoa, 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 whoa. He can't even get the incorrect one out. Go ahead, try again. I pisspronounce it. <laughs> try again. No, it's funnier. Uh, I, can't, I can't. I know it's. Uh, it went to talk there. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I just picked Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, interesting about <laughs> interesting about picking Westbrook again, though, Lee. I mean, I hear your reasoning, sort of. You sort of got it out there. Uh, the last five All-Star Game MVPs, though. Durant last year, 31 points, 10 of 15 shooting. LeBron, 29, 10 and 8. AD, the 52 and 10. And then Westbrook won the two before that. One of them he started, one he did not. The point of that is, in 2015, he came off the bench. 
and scored a ton, but it is rare for an All-Star Game MVP to come off the bench. Mm. But it, look, Westbrook's already done it, so I guess it's in play that he could do it again. Yeah, I'm not used to public squeaking. I pispronounced a lot of my worms. <laughs> That's the two runnies. Classic stuff. <laughs> two That's great. I love how you looked it up. Um, Gonna hit up Britbox tonight. <laughs> Taz, do you, do you have a sort of a favorite in mind right now? Or Trey Young, if you agree with that? I take Giannis Tedekumpo. I think it's uh, his time. I think you're right. To win one, because he hasn't won it yet. It's the same line of thinking as he had last year, but now he's an MVP. Time for him to go get one. And... To add to that, I'm also Team Giannis here. His team hasn't won yet against Team LeBron. Hmm. So, you know, does he want to lose three, three in a row to LBJ? No, he's got to get a victory. And he's locked in. And he, oh, maybe because he can't do, like, his wrestling maneuvers before the start of an all-star Ooh. game like he can win the regular season with his Bucks. Maybe he's got to teach it to them. He's got to draft Damian Lillard. That's a oh, must. Yes. That guy loves wrestling. Yeah. Those two would be a perfect pair. Yeah, he should just draft all the wrestling fans. You're <laughs> right. And then do a little Royal Rumble and then come out and win MVP. Uh, one more here. One more. Why not? Hey, no Dunkin' Donuts. As a Canadian, I can't help but proclaim my affinity and loyalty to Tim Hortons. I've enjoyed Timmy's all my life, from the Timbits to the iced caps to the French vanillas. I truly love this stuff, and I'm sure every Canadian can agree with me on this. <laughs> However, I also spent a fair amount of my life traveling to the U.S. on vacations, and sadly, Timmy's in the U.S. just isn't the same as it is back home. Additionally, the main alternative for many Americans is Dunkin' Donuts, which I've had a few times myself, and I still believe that it just isn't on par with Tim Hortons. I'm curious to know what is your take on this and how the adjustment period has been in trying to find an alternative down in Atlanta. Also, congratulations to Tass and his wife on the new addition to their family. This is from Enrique in Toronto, but born in Mississauga. Saga shout-out. Yes, that's right. He shot it from Saga. (laughs) Uh, Do we have to bleep this out too, JD? All this talk about French vanilla, disgusting. (laughs) All that sugar, ice caps, all that sugar. They are pretty gross. I've I've had an ice cap once from... Tim Hortons, and they're gross. I was going to say... You can tone it down with uh, your milk selection and tone, tone <laughs> down the sugar a little bit. Yeah. Some people put chocolate milk in it. Crazy. What? That's wow. wacky. But you don't like Tim Hortons, right? Tess, like, as a Canadian, you're not a fan. I don't like the coffee beans. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, see? <laughs> not, that's why I wanted to... Not my them. taste. Not my... Th- the coffee's not all that good, let's be honest. A Timbit, sure. Give me a sour cream glazed. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discovered that some Tim Hortons don't even carry the sour cream donut or timbit like the cafe version yeah. the one that was by our airbnb in toronto <laughs> yeah like, what yeah no i t- tim hortons has gone down a little bit mm. in quality control there's, there's burger king bought tim hortons 100 you used to be able to go to tim hortons and you it didn't matter the line that was there <laughs> you'd be in and out in a minute yep under mm-hmm. i went up before i was coming over when we were stuck up in toronto doing the show talking to these guys down here I would sometimes be in, in a Tim Hortons for 15 minutes getting a coffee. Yeah. I mean, it was that yeah. poorly run. Getting a bad coffee. I, I have to say. Oh, well, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. When it's I, totally when I, fine. When I very first moved to Toronto, you know, everyone's telling me about Tim Hortons. Ah, Timmy Hortons. And I went in there and I started getting the double-doubles. I was like, yep, great. <laughs> Throw me a blueberry muffin too. Perfect. I have to say, I have to say, with time and, and maybe growth and maturity... <laughs> Coffee just not that special. Mm. I'm sorry, all my Canadian friends and family and people I love there, but it's not that good. There's a reason the double double is the most popular. You're getting a lot of milk and a lot of sugar, sugar in there. Yeah. You're yeah. overwhelming the coffee. It is equivalent to Dunkin' Donuts. They are the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> They're the biggest chain. 
and that makes sense. Right. A lot of people think McDonald's has better coffee than both of those. Hmm. I, yeah. I don't I can't know that really. I've ever had all three like close <laughs> enough together to, <laughs> to know how they compare. Uh, <laughs> McDonald's even has a dark roast. If you're in that, oh, yeah. well, so does Tim Hortons now. No, they do. Yeah, they they're do. trying to compete. <laughs> I I do like how they they pour it. You order your coffee, they pour it from that old style diner carafe mm-hmm. right yeah. into your yeah. cup. That they, tastes they, like uh, carafe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it Enrique. You know, not the biggest Timmy Hose fans here in the world, but I look when I go home, I grab one. Yeah, Every time sure. we've oh, been in course. Toronto since yeah. we since we moved, I've gone to Tim Hortons and got a double double and a maple dip. The the sm- I like that choice. Mm-hmm. The choice. smell of Tim Hortons is better than the actual taste of Tim Hortons. Mm. Wow, mm. think about that for a second. <laughs> All right, let's get to tweet of the night. Mm. Tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Yes, uh, I was on Tweet of the Night Judy's last night. Uh, and as always, I got one this morning. Now, uh, Skeetsy, <laughs> you kind of referenced it actually earlier. You sort of mentioned it, that uh, Chandler Parsons has been waived by the Atlanta Hawks. And Woj tweeted that out, saying he's been waived and his expiring $25.1 million contract to create roster space to complete the four-team trade. So yep. that really turns the uh, page and ends the four-year contract that Chandler Parsons signed back in 2016. Right. $94 million he signed for in Memphis. Yep. Can you guess how many games he played for that four years and $94 million? Wow, wow. Okay, okay. that's tough. Four so, years, well, three so and a bit. So zip this yeah. year. Did he get on the floor? He did. He, he did. has he played, he yeah. has played um, games this year. Okay. Yeah, yes. handful. Right. Handful last year with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Put me down for, oh, wow, 48? That's a good guess. Yeah, that means um, maybe it's high. I'm going. I'm going 40. Oh, man, no. No, I can't can't do it give me 77 well, give me 62 no he played officially in a total of 100 oh. games oh okay 100 games he played Stupid. for yes he, he played uh, 34 in his first season 36 in his second 25 last season and mm. five this season so uh about a million per game yeah just yeah. uh yeah i mean yeah Pretty sad. He's obviously uh, away from the game right now, dealing with some injuries he sustained in a car accident. But his NBA career may be over. Um, tough way, of course, for it to end there. But, uh, yeah, those injuries, those knees just never were able to hold up for him either. So Definitely. Looks like we've seen the last of uh, Chandler Parsons playing in the NBA. Yeah, quite possibly. All right, let's get to pick'em results from Tuesday night in the association. Tass ties it all up. We once again had a big line involving the Spurs. This time it was the Lakers. They were favored huge, and they covered no problem. LeBron James catching fire. I know we didn't get a chance to talk about some of the games last night because we were talking about the trade and we are talking about the Knicks, and then I got upset about the three-point contest, but it was nice to have Giannis versus Zion, and then we had this uh, LeBron turning into Steph Curry for a second there, hitting all those three. So anyway, Tass gets the, the win. Everybody else takes the loss because we all had the Spurs to cover. So everybody's one and one early in the month of February. Also, we know Tass has to pay off January's pick'em loss. We got something in mind maybe for the live show in Chicago. We won't tell Tassie about it, but this could be pretty fun. So we might be sitting on that one a little bit, but don't worry, we'll get it up on, of course, social media once we do it and all that. But anyway, what's tonight's game? We're all tied at one game apiece. The Clippers who played the Spurs in our opening game for the pick and payoff on Monday night. They're hosting the Miami Heat. Heat come to town. Mm. Heat, obviously, uh, a very good team this season. They're 34-15. and 15. The Clippers, 35-15. and 15. Their best 50-game start in franchise history. 
And the line seven and a half for the Clippers wow. at wow. home. Wow, seven and a half, man. Baby on ESPN. Ugh. What you got? Clippers are rounding into form. They've been playing some of their best ball lately, so I'm going to go with the Clips. Uh, I think I'm going to take the heaters. I think uh, I think seven and a half. Is that what you said? Seven and yeah. a half? Yeah, so eight points. I'll, I'll take the heat to cover that. So will I, because I think this is going to be one of these very, very, like, one-point close ones. And my gut says it's going to be, like, a six-point Clippers win, So, which is why I would go with the Heat. I'm with the Heat as well. Yeah, give me the national TV game for the Clippers. I think they can hold them off by eight or more. All right. Two of us got the Clips. Two of us got the Heat. That's it for this uh, average, Wednesday edition. Average yeah, oh, daily always, show. always. But the average for us, see, the bar is uh, so high for us. <laughs> That it's a great average to have. Always classic. Exactly. You're right, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's hard to figure the true quality of each individual show when they're all classic, but like you're saying, we're always here for you. Exactly right. And we're going to be here for you later today, too, because we're going to be stepping on the beach, so get your questions in, no dunks, at theathletic.com, and you'll hear from us soon, and who knows, we'll probably have a trade or two by the time you've uh, downloaded and listened to this. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, this show was brought to you by Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Don't the Dew. (laughs) Embrace the code red, people. You could stay.